6: Open to all teams and players, the NFL's Inspire Change Initiative acknowledges the ways that systemic racism contributes
7: to barriers to opportunity and equality and focuses on ongoing efforts on creating progress in the areas of education, economic advancement, community and police relations, and criminal justice reform. To learn more about the NFL's commitment to ensuring a more equal and just future, text NFLIC to 635635. It takes
1: all of us to advance social justice. Are you ready for this?
3: Sean Merriman, a one-hand back. Boom,
1: boom, boom. Out go the lights. This is Lights Out with Sean Merriman.
6: What's up, guys? We're back again on the Lights Out podcast with me, Sean Merriman. And today we're bringing on someone who I got a chance to watch at a distance, Cliff Averill up there at the Seattle Seahawks and that Legion of Boom. Uh, these guys, there were no uh, more of exciting defenses in football at that time. And it's funny, I always got a chance to talk to him through social media, but this is our first conversation we'll get a chance to have. Uh, we got some funny stories. One of the funny stories is he was a uh, a Maryland University of Maryland recruit. He came in, and, and the coaches pointed him out one day, and uh, he saw me and decided to go to Purdue. Uh, but, you know, he's doing many great things now, and uh, we're definitely going to get into – today's game and how things are different uh one of the things that's different is uh I might become an old man I don't know if that's happened or not but I might become an old man uh I'm looking at some of these guys uh, 0-3 0-4 teams and they're laughing having a good time and today's game that's accepted for whatever reason when I played when Cliff played and many others played uh the leaders in the locker room are grabbing these guys and bringing them sitting them down saying we're going to get our act together so maybe I just might become an old man maybe not we're going to bring Cliff in and uh, get this one going. Cliff, what's up with you, my dude?
7: What's going on, bro? How are you?
6: I- I'm good, man. You know, I was just telling uh, my guy Vito here that uh, the last time that me and you got a chance to talk was on social media. So I w- we would always go back and forth. But, you know, it's cool, man, because I got a chance to watch you from a distance. And I always tell people, I said, yo, that, that dude, a dog, man. Watch him. Watch him. And so he'll go out make a big playing soccer, and I'm looking like a genius.
7: <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Before we jump into this, though, I got to tell this story, uh, and I, I think I may have told you this before. Um, obviously, you see me, I got the Boilermaker gear on and all that good stuff, and, um, and one of the reasons I ended up at Purdue was because, so I was out of Purdue in Maryland at the time, and I took a visit to Maryland, and I walked onto the field, and they was like, yeah, you're going to play that position right there. I'm like, well, wait up, y'all want me to look like like that guy? And I'm like, uh, they're like, yeah, no, that's the position you're going to play. They're like, you know who that is, right? I'm like, yeah, Sean Merriman. And it looked like you was just a man amongst boys. And I was like, well, if y'all want me to look like that and I'm trying to play my true freshman year, this might not be the place for me, all right? Because I'm trying to play when I come out. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you was the reason I would end up at Purdue because – yeah, you look too doggone big, like like a man amongst boys out there, and and I I knew I couldn't look like that as a true freshman.
6: That's that's funny as hell. <laughs> and you know the funny thing is Coach Loxley and them are gonna stop using me for recruiting now because they, they, <laughs> they like you, you scare yeah, the might, ballers it, away. It <laughs> but you know it's uh you know so you you came right after a couple guys I played with with Sean Phillips, yeah. Nick Harwick right after them and i was telling that and i tell people all the time i said you know i had the career or part of the career that i had was because of sean phillips you know sean phillips was like a a silent assassin on that other side and you know as well as anybody that if you don't have that other dude on the other side what they gonna do they're gonna they're gonna slide your way they're gonna chip you you're going to get the uh, triple formation over there. You're going to get a motion and crack that, you know, this stuff is going to be crazy. So I tell people all the time, man, uh, Sean Phillips was a, uh, was a silent assassin over there.
7: Uh, no, I agree. I mean, Sean doesn't get enough credit. I mean, even what he did at Purdue, he's one of the reasons I ended up there too is just, well, the fact that he was leaving and he had left and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, Sean was a dog, man. And pass rushers in general, I, I, like, obviously, it's usually one player that gets all the attention. But if you ain't got no other guys on, the, uh, on that D-line with you, um, most times than not, the guys that we love to see, the Von Millers and whatnot, they have other guys on their D-line that are really good that kind of helps them be successful. But, you know, obviously in the game that we play, it's the guy that gets the sacks. But as pass rushers, you need other pass rushers on that, team, on that line with you to, for you to be productive.
6: And you're right. And it's, it's always the quiet guys, man, to take a lot of the pressure off. Like I had Jamal Williams, yeah. uh, Luis Castillo, Igor Shansky. Who was who was some of those guys on your team that you played with at the time, man, like that just didn't get the credit that they deserve? I mean, Wagner and all them boys, they they got a ton of it. But who who was like that unsung hero, man, that just took the heat off of everybody?
7: Man, I would say, uh, you know, while I was here in Seattle, it was Brandon Mebane. You know, uh, just that, that, that yep. nose guard that just plugs everything up. He demands a double team. not going to single him up. And it allowed everybody else to get those one-on-ones. So uh, I would go with Brandon Meebane. And then when I was in Detroit, Corey Williams, you know, uh, a big fella in the middle. He allowed myself, Sue, Kyle Vandenbosch, all of us to be able to get those one-on-ones in. And we dominate, try to dominate those. But there's always that one guy in there that doesn't get enough credit because, you know, the stats don't look pretty. But if without those guys, the other guys couldn't eat.
6: You're right, and then Me Bang, he was—he was also a leader. Like he was also somebody that was respected. And I was talking about this the other day, and I, I'm looking at some of like the new school guys, right? Like I always hated when you had the guys that played in the late '70s, '80s, and '90s, where they always say, "Oh, back when we played, you know, we ain't having any, any teeth, yeah. right? We we ain't use helmets," and like. <laughs> In in a way, kind of hating on the new school guys. You like, dude, just you had your time. Now sit your ass down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you you were great at what you did. But sit your ass down. But I'm looking at the game now, man. And the other day, I'm watching the Falcons and Green Bay play, and uh, Aaron Rodgers threw a 30 or 35 yard pass down the field, and I'm I'm seeing one of the D linemen get up and laugh and joke and 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 play around with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like – and i seen the same thing in the Denver game against the Jets. No wide receivers, they're both 0-3 teams. They're both, I think, tied at 10. Mm-hmm. And you got the wide receivers dancing and laughing and joking. And I'm like, man, am I like that old dude now that's sit back hating? Because I, that wouldn't fly. Like, that wouldn't fly. You know, I, I'll, take a, I'll tell you a story. We started out 1-3 in 2007 when I was with the Chargers. And you remind you, we got LT and uh Lorenzo Neal and Chris Dillman and Phillip Rivers and all these guys, all these older cats, Randall Godfrey uh no, I think Godfrey and those guys are gone, but you know, we had a bunch of older guys on the team that just wasn't having it. it I, I I just I just don't want to feel old, man. But what, what happened in the locker room with you guys like when when stuff wasn't going right? Who was that guy like give me a situation who would step up and it is kind of take control of what's going on?
7: Well, first off, on on what you just mentioned, you know, talking about not trying to be that guy, the old head that kind of views things differently or whatnot. But like, I actually got to watch the locker room change. If you're fortunate enough to play long enough, obviously you've seen it, right. you'll, you'll see the locker room dynamics change a little bit to the point where, you know, guys are in there, you know, they're, their Instagram live. I'm like, the locker room is the place where like, all, like nothing else is involved. Like it's just us. And we talking about whatever. You can't do that anymore uh, with the new wave of guys. But
8: Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and five-year, 60,000-mile basic.
3: Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Do you love Selena?
5: Like,
4: really love?
3: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano.
7: Things changing and, and whatnot. I mean, I, I just think, I just think, the it just changes every every decade or so. You know what I'm saying? Things just change. like the new kids nowadays. They're 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 into you know showing everything off, right? They want to they want to let you. Know. I, I I think I I remember seeing somebody you know they filming the the, the 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 team meetings on Instagram Live. You know what I'm saying? No. Like what are you doing? Like that's that's you know what I'm saying. So. It's just a new age, bro. It's just a new age. These kids are doing different things. Um, you just got—I I just look at it as—as as, you know, what I'm used to ain't, ain't what it is anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, just that—that that camaraderie, that bond, that—that—that that, um, that secretness of being in the locker room. Because it, it was a privilege to be in there with all those guys, and now it's just right. a little different. You know, guys in there dancing, guys in do, doing all kinds of stuff, and it's just completely different from what we grew up uh, kind of learning.
9: Hi, everybody. I'm Rachel Benetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Bonetta. You kidding me? Woo!
6: I'm just here so I won't get fined.
9: You may know me from Game Day View or Game Day Morning on NFL Network. Basically, any shows with the word game in it. Odds are you'll find me there. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, like breaking down games, questioning Tom Brady's genetic makeup. It's going to be great. I'm also doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. We want to hear from you, fans of the NFL. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Did you commit a misdemeanor crime when you were 12 and need to tell somebody about it? Please, for the love of Roger Goodell, do not tell me. I can be held accountable. Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Benetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: You, you guys, man, at one point had the most dominant defense in football. I mean, period. And y'all had a, a run. What was what was that like, man? Like being on that team because there were so many big personalities, there were so many big guys, but it always seemed like everybody was on the same page. Like, nobody was trying to outshine nobody. Nobody was uh, – it was no finger pointing. You guys were, like I said, so dominant in such a collective group, man. What was what was it like at that time?
7: Man, it was awesome. And you know what What made us so good and so, so great, I think, is not necessarily the stuff we did on the field. It's like we – you know, the guys in the locker room, you cool with a couple guys outside of the locker room, right? On game day, we all come together. We're going to ride together. But the difference was that all of us actually – until this day, still hang out with one another. Our kids, we have birthday parties. All the kids, you know, uh, all the kids come together. We go on vacations together. I mean, these are all things that we're still doing to the day. So I think it's just the genuine love we have for one another outside of football. We weren't just coworkers. We were actually family. And I think that's what made us so great. And also not want to let that person next to you down. You know what I mean? Because we had that personal relationship. Now it's, hey, now I got a ride for Mike Bennett. You know what I'm saying? I got a ride for Bobby because I know their kids, like their kid. like, it's almost like I feel responsible for their kids as well. You know what I mean? And and it just, it just made us great and it made us go out there and play for one another. And that's why we were so great for so long.
6: And, and I always say that too. When the great teams, the players run the team. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure Coach Carroll is a great coach, but the players control the locker room. And no when it was time for us to tighten up, the coach didn't have to say anything. We we yeah. ran the locker room and it seemed like you guys had that same type of deal going on.
7: No doubt. No doubt. We ran the locker room. But you know what's crazy? Coach Carroll actually sets it up for that. You know, he doesn't like you know how coaches hype up before the team uh before the game, like before we go out, you know, coach comes in the middle and, you know, does his rah rah and all that. Coach Carroll doesn't speak to the team at all, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, before the game because he wants the team to be able to lead itself. He wants the, he wants the leaders to kind of lead the team. So, um, you know, what I mean, you have to have those guys in the locker room. And, and accountability is huge, right, um, being able to hold each other accountable but not be disrespectful in, in how we we, uh, we we expect that from you, right. So everybody respected one another, but we held each other accountable and it, it speaks back to the the um you know the guys leading the team and not needing a coach to necessarily you know get you hyped up or anything like that
6: and it you your guys had a had a great team man like just on both sides of the ball but, but Russell Wilson dude I mean I I had hell playing against them and what I I'll never forget my my last maybe my last year over the year before my last in buffalo we played them in Toronto and they, I mean, y'all dropped like fifty two on us, right? They put up like fifty plus. I do. I never had fifty uh, fifty piece put on me before in my life, right? And they were just running the hell out of that option play where he was going to pull it or give it to Marsh. And I, they were running it and running it. And I just was hoping that that game clock just said zeros across the board because they just was going to run that damn play over and over, man. Just what? Obviously, everybody see the. he's a a magician on the field and all the things he can do and make plays, man. But what what is about him that just separates him and why he's had this longevity that he's had so far?
7: Man, that boy's like Houdini, man. He's making everybody miss, you know what I'm saying? Um, But I would say that the biggest thing with Russ, man, is one, he knows who he is. Um, He's extremely confident, and he really believes – everything that you hear him say on, on, on game day or or whenever, right? He really – all he – he believes if he has an opportunity, all he needs is one chance, and he'll go out there and make some things happen. Um, I mean, I've seen the boy – I've seen the boy throw four interceptions in the game, fourth quarter rolls around and tells us, hey, hey, guys, like, let's stay in it. Like, let's stay in it. And half of us are looking at it like, bro – we down 14 points. You know, gave up five, you know, threw five interceptions. Like, your partner was down, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And, and but like he like, hey, all I need is one chance. And guess what he goes and do? He goes and pulls that game out. Wins the game. You know what I'm saying? Gave him two drives back to back. He went out there, slashed him up, got us to the second Super Bowl. So, um, you know what I mean? I just think he really believes all he needs is an opportunity. He really believes uh that that he he can be great and that's what he's chasing and that's why Every year since year one, he's gotten better. I mean, statistically, everything he's gotten better. And this is year nine for the man, and he's still finding ways to get better. And if he's not the MVP of the league, he's definitely in the talks this year.
6: It, which is insane to me because like you guys had a dynasty. And I, I read I read something some time ago where you were talking about like that play in the Super Bowl, how it kind of in a sense broke up that dynasty. Mm-hmm for a little bit, maybe change, like change the course of the locker room. Like what, what happened during that time? Like how did that inflate everything y'all had going on?
7: Yeah. So I I think, I think in the, in the moment, me personally, I didn't really feel that, right? I didn't think of it because, you know I mean? I'm, I'm on to the next play. I'm like, I'm on to the next season. Like, let's, let's get this thing rolling. We got something special here. But I do think,
8: Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Do
3: you love Selena?
4: Like, really love?
3: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. to the legend
4: behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stanless's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: To to doubt, I guess, the message somewhat, um, because of how things played out. A lot of people might feel like it was politics as well on basically why we didn't run it or whatever the case may be. So there's a lot of different yep. things out there that I think could have played. And every individual, obviously, um, took it in differently. You know what I mean? Marshawn might feel completely different from a Russell Wilson or, or myself. Like I said, for me, it was just, man, like, hey, let's strap him up. Let's go back out there and let's go win us another one. But then when I look back at it, I do think some guys – uh, felt some kind of way because they felt that camaraderie kind of shift a little bit or the message or the philosophy shift a little bit in the way that game played out. And um, maybe guys held on to it a little bit longer than they should have because I, I think we could have gone out there and won another one uh, the next year if if we would have just kept that same
6: mindset. I, I always always talk to LT about that. And I was like, man, we had some squads, 06, 07, 08, that short run yeah, that's we that's had. And it's it's so hard, man. You are talking about Russell? It's so hard when you have that type of a dynasty, that type of a team, because you know, forget that, forget that one play you guys had. You got contracts coming up. Yeah, guys get hurt. Oh. You know, people trying to get paid. If you aren't. you you're trying to get paid at that point because you earned it. So you know that team is breaking up at that point, man. Like when did when did you guys know that? That was starting to happen, for, and, and for us, I started seeing guys get traded. I started seeing guys get released, and you know, uh, Michael Turner had left one year, and then, mm. then this person and that person, and you started to see guys to break up. What, what? When did that happen with you? Were you like, okay, yeah, things are things are changing a little bit?
7: You know what? We we and as you know, right in the NFL, it's hard. It's hard to keep the same team around for two, three, four years because cause what you just mentioned, contracts. Guys need more money or guys getting released or traded or whatever the case may be. But honestly, uh, like we were, I think I felt like we were pretty doggone good and able to win a Super Bowl my first four years in the uh, first four years with Seattle, um, whether that's 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 was the year where everything kind of shifted. Uh, and it wasn't more of, you know, contract stuff, but more of injuries. You know, I went out. Sean, uh, uh, Cam Chancellor went out. Sherm towards Achilles that year, popped his Achilles that year. I mean, uh, so many guys were just banged up. And it was like, man, are these guys getting old? Or, you know, should we start looking to, to kind of move out of uh, out of these contracts? Because everybody was making big money. You know what I'm saying? Everybody everybody I just mentioned was, was probably top five, top 10 at their position. So, um, you know, it becomes a, a business decision for the organization. Do we get rid of these guys and get somebody cheaper? You know, all these different things. So I would say 2017 was with the year where it completely changed. You know, you flip the page and it's a whole different team, it's a whole different vibe. I mean, you look at the team right now, it's only three guys, four guys I believe, that are from the Super Bowl years. You know what I mean? And the fact that there's four of them is still impressive. You know what I mean? Because we know how the turnover is in the league.
6: I'm John
4: Gonzalez, the host of Sports Illustrated Weekly.
7: Sports Illustrated has delivered the best
4: storytelling in sports for 70 years, first in the pages of the magazine, then on SI.com, and now that tradition continues on a new podcast. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. We'll ask the questions that we're all wondering and push for the answers we all want. Everything from investigating the Super Bowl's impact on L.A. to examining why booing is as big a part of the fan experience as cheering. Sports Illustrated Weekly is here to bring you the entertaining tales you can't get anywhere else. The kinds of stories that make you smile and laugh, clap and cry, marvel, think, and fall in love with sports all over again. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now.
5: What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Sure.
6: And, and, dude, you know what? Father time is going to catch all of us. Hey, I don't care how how good you take care of your body. I don't care how great a shape you are. And that father time going to creep around the door and they say, okay, it's time to have a seat. And it happened to everybody. Like me, I knew when I when I went to Buffalo. And initially, I didn't want to go to Buffalo. Like, I was scratching and scratching. Your know, Buddy Nicks the GM called me. And Bud, Buddy was like, hey, we you know, we picking you up off of waivers. And I was like, buddy, I love you. I actually love this the the fan base of Buffalo, but y'all 0-6 right now. I, I'm not coming out. I'm not coming. I don't care what you say. I'm not coming out there. And you had your stint with, with the Lions. As a rookie,
7: I went 0-16. You know what I'm saying? Like I was the only player ever to, to go 0-16 and win the Super Bowl. So right. to go 0-16 as a rookie in the NFL, it was to the point where like for me, I almost was embarrassed telling people I played in the league. You know what I'm saying, like, right, like, hey, uh, yeah, you, uh, who you who you play for, uh, uh, Cleveland? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, you know what I'm saying, like, I see, like, I had to go, I had to pick the next worst team, you know what right? What <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was just one of those situations. Yeah. Man. You go, you go out
6: after your first year, you got
7: to tell people like, I can't even turn up, bro. I can't <laughs> even turn up. I can't even inter- like, think about that, bro, you can't even go out and tell people you play in the league. You know what I'm saying, like, that, that's like a, oh, you know, you that at, uh, hey, star, what's up, bro? What's up? Hey, who you playing for now? Uh, Detroit, Detroit. Oh, oh, y'all didn't win one game, like, what's going on, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, just that, that transition though, what I would say, the difference was, at least from my vantage point, going from Detroit to Seattle was culture. Right, like culture is a big difference and i think it, it plays a big role in in how successful a team can be man and you know the culture in detroit and kind of like football everywhere it's real militant you know uh straightforward you know you can't some some coaches got your head and tuck your, your, your hoodie in and all kinds of mess right but you get to seattle man they got music playing you know we're shooting hoops before uh team meetings it's just a good vibe and um that's why i think they've had so much success uh, over this last decade is because everybody's just having fun. It ain't it don't feel so so um militant and so you know straight by the book type of situation. It's hey have a good time once you go on that football field, turn up even more.
6: I, I say the same thing and I say it all the time. Like when I see these coaches coming in the NFL for the first time and they come in super strict. They yeah. come in uh yeah tuck your jerseys do this do that and the first thing that comes to my, my head is you guys gonna lose you guys gonna suck. Because you can't come in there treating guys like their kids. These ki- these guys, these men have families. These guys, these men are yeah. rich already. They're successful. There's a reason why they're here. You come in and treat them like kids, you know, it's just not going to end well for you. And those guys are, are completely different.
7: No, I agree. I agree. You can't, you can't, it, I mean, it's, it's one of the few places, right? Think about this. It's one of the places where the guy in charge makes the least amount of money out of all the guys he's directing traffic on, right? So, like in understanding that it's more of a man, Cliff Avery, he got wife and kids. Like, why? And I got a wife and kids. Like, why would I talk crazy to him? Why would I try to try to son him? Why would I try to make play him as if he's a child? You know what I'm saying? Talk to him like a grown man because he understands he needs to go out there and ball out so he can keep getting them checks so he can take care of his family, right? So I, I just think some coaches they got that maybe that college mindset where you know when kids are 18 you can do that, but when you're talking to a 30 year old you got you got to chill out a little bit.
6: Yeah, now I always, I always thought about him back in my head. I wanted to play for Coach Carroll because I, I love his energy, right? Mm. And I'm like, man, this dude, he's gonna get me hyped up, and I'm gonna get him hyped up, and he's gonna get me hyped up. Like, is he, is he like that all the time? Man. Is this, is he like that 24 seven?
7: It's unreal, bro. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, so you know how you become a free agent? The GM, the coach calls you. And, you know, kind of kind of uh, uh, like recruiting all over again in a sense, right? So he calls me and I'm like, oh, okay, what's up? Hey, how, how would you feel to be a Seahawk? And, you know, when I'm trying to make this happen and all like just super energetic, I'm like, oh, this feels like college all over again, you know what I'm saying, when you get recruited. I'm like, okay, cool, coach. I, I appreciate it, you know. But I'm, in my head, I'm like, there's no way, you know, this is just the, all the fluff. Man, it took me two years, bro, to buy in to him really having that much energy. I'm talking about every day just super hype, just a lot of energy. The only only coach I know that's uh, – he might be 70 years old now. Right. The man get out on the football field and launching it 60, 70 yards downfield, like playing catch and all. It's just – it's crazy, bro. And and I think he – he it's a genuine thing, but I also think he understands that that stuff is contagious. You know what I'm saying? It's contagious for the coaches. It's contagious for the players. If your are head man, the oldest guy in the building, has the most energy, how can you not match that? You know what I'm saying? And um, it's been it, – Ever since I met him, he's been like that, man. And I ain't gonna lie to you; it was a great time playing for him.
6: Do you guys still? You still keep in contact with him at all? Is it any point you guys still talk? Because I, f- for me, I still talk. I just had Wade Phillips on the other day, and still to this day, I thank Wade Phillips. I said, "You, you know what? You he don't want to take any credit for it." I'm like, "I went to the Pro Bowl a couple of times because of you. Because I know you put me in some one on one situations with the back. Yeah. Uh, you know, you put me in some really good situations to win. So I just had to." connection with my coaches you still rap to them at all
7: oh yeah i still talk to coach Carroll. i I mean i'm I'm, i still talk to the gm john schneider i talk to uh the d-line coach i mean i've always been that kind of person where like i mean we we in this together you know what i'm saying like we we about to go out here and battle together both of our livelihoods are on the line if i don't play well i get cut and fired and guess what you might mess around get cut and fired too so it's it's one of those spaces where i just built relationships with the guys and I checked in with him. I still talk to Dan Quinn down there in Atlanta. I mean, I talk to a, a wide range of coaches that 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 has been a part of my life still to this day. I, I, again, like I said, I think it's just important because we we understood that we needed each other for us to have success in the league, but also for our family and friends.
6: Yeah. I, so one one of the guys, man, is just it. it I, I was talking about it the other day. How in the hell he not he's not playing for somebody? It's Earl Thomas, right? Um, yeah, dude, I, I'm so you know kind of upsets me because. It's like I don't care what you say about somebody, the dude play hard as hell. He played the game right. And I don't care if he fought me. You know, I mean? you know how many teammates I've fought before? I mean, some of my closest friends. Do we fighting and oh, yeah. camp? And then we go to the crib after and we playing Xbox and drinking. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it just happened, man. So like to see anybody say something about that dude, it just it bothers the hell out of me. But what you guys still talk at all? Yeah, I matter of
7: fact, I, mean, I talked to E um Probably like four days ago, matter of fact. You know, I, t- I check in with him. Um, it's, it's crazy. Kind of going back to what we talked about earlier in the show, how, how it's a different vibe now in comparison to to what it was when I played because it was nothing for us to get in an argument in a fight and then later on that day go to dinner. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. later on that day go go do something. You know what I'm saying? so uh, it's shocking to me that he's not in the league right now. It's crazy because in what space, at least I can't remember off the top of my head, that a player was all pro one year and then out of the league the next year and not due to injury. You know what I'm saying? Like that don't make no sense. And then there's so many injuries happening throughout the league. And yet tell me this man who I think is still going to wear a gold jacket at some point, can't have a job. And he's still, he's still in tip top shape. He still, you know, can play some ball and he can change up the defense. You know what I'm saying? So I I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I, I I don't want to, I don't want to go down that road as far as what they might be doing to him. But, it's just a weird space to be in to see someone that's so talented, still playing at a high level, still coming off an all pro season and not be on somebody's team right now.
6: Yeah, you could, you won't say it, but I will. I mean, there's times you get blackballed and I'm not saying that people are collectively keeping them out. But, the, you know, for me personally, being a former player, you hate to see an incident or one thing shadow over somebody's greatness and what they did over the body of their career. You know, because exactly. that ain't, you know, uh, uh, to come across an Errol Thomas is not easy. You're not gonna come across too many Aero Thomases, so to even see anybody say anything like that is just crazy.
7: No, nah, it's, it's it's weird, man. And then um, you know, you talk about just being blackballed or or whatever. Is it about winning or is it about saving face? You know what I'm saying? What like what is it about? Because if you're really about winning, you are gonna try to get the best players in there. To, to execute. Now, I don't know what the word is on him as a teammate, but I can speak uh, as a guy that played with him for four years. The man is awesome. You know what I mean? Now, just like anybody else in the locker room, everybody comes from different backgrounds. Everybody comes – you know, everybody's a little different. But once you actually get to know him – and I think that's part of the problem is, is with the Ravens is they didn't really get to know him. They didn't know him like we knew him. That So you can accept and embrace who he really is. Because guess what? On Sundays, the boys will give you all you got. The boys mm-hmm. will go out there and, and and ball out, right? So for us, it was it, okay. He's just being E right now, but he is awesome. Like we know what we're gonna get out of him on Sundays, and it's just unfair. It's it's, it's unfair that he get enough time to to kind of prove to his teammates that he is a great teammate, that he is a great player, and um, it's just unfortunate that he's not on the roster right now.
6: No, nah, no doubt, no doubt. So speaking of great stuff, man, you um you got a bunch of great stuff going on, right? What about that the charity?
7: Yeah, so we just had our seventh annual dining to make a difference, and um, it's it's basically a celebrity and I hate saying celebrity celebrity waiting event uh, where all my homeboys, all the Seahawk players, basically are waiters for the evening, and people buy tickets, and it's to raise it's to raise money for for my foundation, the Cliff Abrahm Family Foundation, which is geared towards juvenile diabetes and um, you know just living a healthy lifestyle. And this year, we, we switched it up a little bit, though. We actually had players deliver meals to all the VIPs, to their actual home. Uh, obviously, going by the COVID protocol and different things like that. But it was a great turnout. We still were able to raise over $170,000 um, in, in, in the pandemic. And also, obviously, all, a lot of that money is going to go back into the city here in Seattle. But uh, it, it was a great, it was a great um, event. And if you want more information on what the foundation is doing, check out CliffAverhillFamilyFoundation.org. I mean, we're we're out here trying to you know make change
6: that's dope man that's dope anything else you got you are you coaching you coaching or something too right now what, what you got going man <laughs> actually i just coached an
7: all-star game man my first time coaching uh being on the sideline i just coached a, a high school all-star game out here and uh it was great man it was fun um, you know and, and my boys went out there and got like 11 or 12 sacks you know, so I can't, I can't, be, I can't be mad at it. But it was a, it was a great outing. It was good for the kids because a lot of these seniors right now, they they not getting the senior season, so they right. can't get that film to get that recruit right, uh, that recruitment going. So that all star game was to help them get more film to get some schools to kind of notice them and hopefully, you know, be able to get a scholarship somewhere.
6: That's dope, my dude. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, anytime, anytime you need me, dog, I'm there. Uh, please let me know if I can step I in. And as soon as this pandemic over, man, we'll catch up. And uh, I'll make sure we get all this stuff posted up on on your foundation, everything else you got going on.
7: For sure, man. I appreciate you having me, man. Keep doing your thing, bro. Like I said, man, since I was 17, I kind of always looked up to you, bro. And and I'm still paying attention to the different moves that you're making, man. So uh, keep inspiring. Keep being yourself, man. And and, um, next time, you know, we'll, we'll chop it up soon.
6: Don't deal, bro. Appreciate
7: it. Yes, sir. Have a good one.
6: Hey, guys, thanks for listening today. I had a great time talking to uh, Cliff Averill, uh, that Legion of Boom team that they had up there. We got a chance to talk about Pete Carroll, man, and and some of the misconceptions about him and his energy levels, which is just ridiculous. I think he's, what, 70 years old now, but he has energy uh, as a a 30-year-old just running around and bouncing around. Also, um, the game has changed a little bit from the time that we played, I played, and uh, how the locker rooms have just shifted over the time. So I appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the Sean Merriman Lights Out podcast. We're going to keep this thing rolling. See you again next week.
4: We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
1: NFL fans, nothing compares to being there live.
6: What a play! Now
1: the crowd is alive. And the NFL's biggest season ever is now ready for the postseason.
7: It's playoff time!
1: We gotta win! NFL playoff tickets are on sale now.
4: Don't miss your chance to be a part of the postseason action on the road to Super Bowl 56. Visit nfl.com slash tickets for a complete listing of games. That's nfl.com slash tickets.
5: Look through your children's eyes and you will discover the true magic of a forest.
1: Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.